When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, Holly. Hey, Dave. What is happening today on the What Difference Does It Make podcast? Well, today I would like to talk to you about something specific. Okay. Are you you up for some conversation about the Bottle Rock Festival up in Napa? Yeah. Hey, how'd you know I went? Well, I know you went. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I I guess we talk offline. Every conversation is recorded, right? That's how we do it here. Everything is official on the record. But as you know, I was invited also, but was not able to make it, unfortunately, because it sounds like you had a great experience. And obviously, we, as we know, there are great artists that play there. But we were invited to go and chat with some of the artists. So tell me a little bit about your experience. Yes, the good people from Padopolo invited a number of the Pantheon podcast family members up to the space. They were recording at Feasted Forward. Is it a food podcast? Do they do a podcast also? It's mostly video, I, you know, because it's food. They did have a number of food podcasters there. They had a lot of different podcasters. They invited a lot of different people to come up there, but f- specifically for music, they invited Pantheon. Inside, it's this kitchen and a whole, whole workspace, and it's really kind of cool. But in the backyard, they have this whole open space with a number of like set designs and stages where you can do your podcasting. So we did that. We were kind of waiting. The Bottle Rock Festival was maybe... Uh, like a quarter of a mile away so we could we could walk there we got we got passes to go to bottle rock but we also were hanging out in this feasted forward area waiting for artists to to show up to drop by to drop by and talk and so we did talk to a few of them the video is up on the Podopolo network which you can download and check out and that's kind of cool and because you had other obligations i had a substitute partner from my rock moment amanda mork joined me and we got to talk to a couple artists here i thought i was not replaceable but you guys were really good together she did a really nice job and it looked like you had a lot of fun. It looked like a really nice, casual atmosphere. Yes, it was casual, although it were, because we didn't know which artists we were going to talk to, I did a lot of research on all the artists. You know, there's like 50... Could have been one of 50 artists coming by. Yeah, exactly. So I had a lot of... I took a lot of notes, and sometimes I didn't have any notes on them. So it was... <laughs> but, well, you did a really good job winging it. Yeah, well, we tried. The first artist we talked to is uh, Ron Artis. What was going on at Bottle Rock is they had like a special late night showcase in a small club for a lot of different artists. The artist that we saw the night before was Ron Artis. 
And he was phenomenal. He was like this amazing guitarist, a singer, and he he did a, it was really kind of uh, amazing to kind of discover this this new talent. And sure enough, he stopped into Feasted Forward, and we got a chance to talk to him. Hello, hey, we're on the Padopolo main stage here at Feasted Forward. I am Dave Sloan of the What Difference Does It Make podcast, and I'm Amanda Mork of My Rock Moment. And we are sitting here with Ron Artiz. We are very excited. Aloha, everybody. <laughs> Aloha. Now, Ron, Dave and I got to see you play last night. Incredible show. I think everybody that was there would say that. But we need to ask you a little bit about your, your influences. You know, there were so many different types of music and genres coming up. I mean, it was incredible. Thank you so much. Uh, music influences. It ranges, I'd say, the simplest way to put it, it ranges any artist who I could feel their heart and their conviction to what they're doing. Meaning that when you hear them sing, play, or watch them paint, you can tell this person, this individual, wouldn't want to do anything else than what they're doing. And on the music side, I have my dear friend Mike Love. He's uh, based in Hawaii. He's a singer-songwriter. B.B. King, uh, Donny Hathaway. It, the list goes on all the way to Pavarotti, Sting. It's just a long list of musicians. When you first heard them, you can remember the first time you heard them. That's something that always struck me. You come from a very large family. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yes. I assume that your your father and your siblings had a, a lot to do with uh, with your influences, and and you were in a band. Was it? It was kind of like a family band, like the Jackson Five, or what was going on there? Yeah, kind of like a, There was eleven kids in my family: six boys, five girls, and um, yeah, we had family band growing up, and it was an amazing time, amazing memories, uh, a crucial part of my personal development musical wise and and as well as other parts of my life and i'd say single-handedly my dad was one of the biggest influences on me musically and as well as a, a person growing up unfortunately my dad passed away in 2010 but um it was uh thank you but it was a really intense journey of finding what you're passionate about and finding out how to pursue that how to develop and f how to find out who you are and I read something that your dad had said, which really struck me. I think he said, there's no such thing as the best. It's only you doing your best. Yeah, it was, it was like um, True. when I was 13, <laughs> I'm going to find a way to say it really clean. Because sometimes my dad would go like a sailor. Um, but uh, uh, I was 13 or 16, somewhere in there, you know, when you're that really kind of arrogant teenager. And I was like, I want to be the best guitar player in the world. And my dad was like, you arrogant little prick. There's no <laughs> such thing. He's like, he's like, tell me who's better, B.B. King or Ingvig Malmsteen. I was like, um, he's like, Jose Feliciano or Buddy Guy, John McLaughlin or, and the list just kept going. And I'm like, well, you can't compare them. He's exactly. They're so different. The art makes you feel something. It's an expression. It's to be shared. The best you can be is yourself. And once you become selfless in your approach to music and your delivery of music, that's when you get to that special place. That's when you find peace in your music. That's when you can help someone feel a healing emotion through your expression. My podcast, My Rock Moment, 
talks about moments that made you realize, whether you were a kid and you were standing, you know, in the front row of a Bowie concert or something, or, Ooh. you know, yeah, right, that'll change you. Yeah. Or, you know, later on in life, you've got a band or you're an artist and you're stepping on to a specific venue stage mm. and you're going, oh my God, this is hollowed ground. Now, it sounds like at 13 and then you've got this musical family, you may have known this, this was your path, but was there an actual moment, you know, where you were thinking, okay, I can do this. This is something I really want to pursue. Funny, there there is there is a moment for me. We keep mentioning 13. That's when I got my first guitar. My first own guitar is my birthday, and my parents came back from a garage sale and they got me guitar. And I was like, I was stoked, man. I like, <laughs> I didn't have friends anymore after that. I lived in the corner in my bedroom, and that's all I did. But my moment of realizing this is my path didn't come till I was about 22. I think 22 or 23. Before that. I never thought of music as a career or a choice. It was part of my life. It was something that was always there. It was like a really good friend that's always there with you. You just spend way too much time with. And at 22, 23, the reason that's so pivotal for me is that's when I began singing. It was an afternoon in our old home studio gallery. My parents came up to me and they're like, Ron, we believe God told us you should sing. I was ready to run out of that house. I was like, it's too much pressure. There's no way I'm going to be a singer. I mean, there's no way I'm ever going to sound like the singers I love listening to. It's like there's no chance. Yeah, that's powerful and, uh, and scary. That's <laughs> scary. Yeah, right? So they're like, we believe we should sing and um, we should start working on this thing. And I'm like, uh, yeah, pretty much like, yeah, no. My dad sat with me and he's like, all right, tell me why you think you can't sing. And I was like, well, it's simple. It's three things. One, I can't sing. <laughs> Two... Never I'll won. never sound like the singers that I love listening to. And three, I can't name one lead singer or lead personality in front of a group or what have you that was able to hold on to their strong moral compass. You had that insight at in at your 20, early 20s, 22. Yeah, I mean, there were so many artists and people that I really loved look, listening to and looking up to. And it just seemed like their lives shattered from personal choices once everything kind of blew up for them. My dad was like, wow, those are some deep ones. And my mom was kind of nodding her head. And my dad's like, so, you can't sing. Um, let's see how we can fix that. How'd you learn to ride a bike? And I was like, I practice. And my dad's like, yeah, okay, so that one's out of the way. Number two, you can't sound like the people you love listening to. He's like, well, name me one. And I was like, well, Stevie Wonder. He's like, wow, what do you love about Stevie? I said, Stevie doesn't sound like anyone else. My dad said, exactly. <laughs> Why are you trying to sound like someone else? And I was like, oh, dang it. I walked right into that. <laughs> and he said, the third excuse is the only one that's not valid. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, he's like, well, you say someone who becomes popular who can't hold their moral compass. He's like, I don't care what you choose to do in your life. If it's bagging groceries at the store, being a plumber, being a president, being whatever, being a world leader, doing whatever you want, no one's going to make you do or not do something. That moral compass is up to you whether you choose to sing or not sing, so that excuse is not valid. Practice starts tomorrow at 9. <laughs> and I was like, oh. And that was kind of the, the beginning of this phase. But the pivotal moment came at the end of that two years. At the end of the two years, I was still very incredibly uncomfortable with my singing voice, and I just thought we hadn't made any progress. It hadn't gotten any better. I'm ready to hang it up and just go back to playing my instruments, which was where I felt most comfortable, most safe. It's kind of my Linus blanket, if you will. This one, even my dad's like, okay, when we open up, this, when we open up our studio, we had a home studio gallery and people could come in between the hours of 11 in the morning and 6 in the evening and we'd share music and you'd be able to look at our artwork and stuff. And my dad said, when we open up, the first person who comes in to hear the music, we're just going to play one song 
You're not going to hold your guitar. You're just going to sing. If they like it, you have to keep doing this. You've got to try, though. If they don't like it, you're off the hook. You haven't got to try to sing anymore. Did Deal? you momentarily think about sabotaging it? <laughs> I, I honestly did. I just thought I would, But I thought, you know, I don't even have to try to sabotage. I'm just going to sing, and the person's going to be like, okay, you know, kid, don't, don't quit your day job. In walks this uh, young lady, and my dad asked her, you do, do you like live music? And she said, yeah, so sit down. If you've got five minutes, we're going to play a song for you. And we, we played a song, and I have a habit of singing with my eyes closed the whole time and at the end I opened up my eyes and the young woman was crying and I thought oh man that performance was so terrible she had to sit through it she's crying and then she began to speak and um, she shared something that I will never forget she said since she was young her passion her dream was to be an opera singer all through high school she trained for it she got into college and she was doing just that it was amazing until one unfortunate afternoon when she was babysitting a, a friend's three-year-old, four young men came in the back door of her house demanding something physically from her, and she told him no and told him off. The 13-year-old came back and emptied a gun in her chest. Only thing she thought when she was on the ground trying to get the phone to dial 911 was, I will never sing again. I mean, your life is flashing before your eyes, and the only thing she was thinking was, I will never sing again. You know, as an opera singer, everything's in your torso. Everything's in your diaphragm. And so I never thought again about trying to sing anything again until I'm standing in here with this really frail, shy young guy singing his heart out. And I thought, well, if all I can ever do with my voice is inspire someone to do something they feel like they should be doing, I have to try this. That was my pivotal moment. Wow, that's, that's powerful. And so you tell some wonderful stories. I guess the other hard part is the songwriting process. I mean, when, <laughs> when, when did you, you know, like you're telling these stories and now uh, you got to create your own, something of your own? <laughs> yeah, well, songwriting is both the easiest and the hardest for me. Meaning, you know, you can't force inspiration. I think it was the Rolling Stones when they had the song Can't Get No Satisfaction. One of them had a dream about it or something. Yeah. Woke up in the middle, Keith Richards, he woke up in the middle of the night and whatever. He's just like hammering it on a piano or something. Just had to do it. It's something that really rings with me because when you start hearing a melody or hearing some lyrics, you have to respect it enough to stop whatever it is you're doing and get it down. Get it on a voice memo on your phone nowadays or, or jot it down in a notepad or, or do something. I've learned to kind of respect that process. And all the music we play now, everything's original. And it varies from like classical with strings to rock and roll like you heard last night to funk to just unplugged acoustic guitar. But one theme rings true through all of our music. And that is we try to write something that could be helpful to someone long after we're off this planet. Well, after my life's over, if you randomly come across one of the songs somewhere and it plays, that you can take something from it and hopefully it could help something in your own life. Wow. Well, I do see you have a guitar with you. Is yeah. there possibly something that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, sure. There's a song that's on our latest album and this, the album's called Purpose and the song I want to share with you, it's called Loving You. And it's about the inevitability that we all come across someone that doesn't agree with you or know, understand you or get you and whatever. Just my challenge when we meet those people in our lives is simple. My challenge when you meet them is love them. And that's what the song's all about. So I hope you like it. I never understood you. So let's sit down and have a cup of tea 
folks, I got to stone agree. Still, I'm guilty of loving you. Quit going on about what you hating other people. Look at yourself before we throw more salt in their eyes. If we're judging on people for a thing that can't change, we ain't helping. See the light with open eyes. I ain't never understood you. How about you show me a point of view? We know life is complicated. How about we start here with me and you? so much thank you guys thank you thank you <laughs> that was incredible and I mean it, it speaks to your point you know this music is your legacy there's gonna be people listening to this a hundred years from now some are gonna be listening to the music some are gonna be focused on the lyrics yeah the lyrics yeah the, it, it, that's a fun thing it's like you know doing soul music per se it's like a lot of the times, uh, uh, forgive my intrusion on the topic, but it's 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 more written about short-term things of like, hey, don't I look good tonight, or don't you look good tonight, that kind of thing. And while some people find that fun and and in the moment, it's like, ultimately, it's like I have a moment, maybe sometimes 45 minutes on a stage, 90 minutes on a stage to share something, to share a feeling. And while in one-on-one -on -one conversations, it seems like when you're one-on-one -on -one with someone you tend to share more of your heart. You tend to want to hear them out and see what they're navigating in their life. And usually when it's in a group gathering, like at a club or a party, whatever, nobody kind of wants to bring up the heavy topics because it's like, I don't want to be the party pooper or whatever. But when we get opportunity to share music, you have that rare opportunity to talk about heavy topics and a light melody. And people are more receptive to think like, oh, hey, you know, maybe I will try that. Maybe I'll try to respect myself a little more. Maybe I'll try to hear someone out before I get upset. You know, we're all incredibly different, and that's what makes the world so beautiful. We all live and we all die, and we might as well just try to help each other along the way. That song was gorgeous, and it was very thought-provoking. <laughs> it gave me a moment to pause, and I'm sure that's yeah. what anybody who's listening to it will do. Thank you. That's Yeah, that's one thing these last couple of years, man. We all get wrapped in politics. We all get wrapped into this pandemic. We all get wrapped into all this stuff, and we forget that we're all humans spinning on a rock in the middle of space, and we all need each other to get through this thing. And Sometimes we'll agree, sometimes we'll have different wants, needs, and views. Ultimately, we got to learn to help each other out and lean on each other and be okay with the difference. Before we say goodbye, I mean, we'd love another song from you. Yeah, awesome? sure. Actually, my daughter, Adira, she wanted to sing something with me. Adira, did you still want to sing? Oh. 
Here she comes. Oh, <laughs> look at that smile. Yeah, dear, are you ready? So we're gonna share a song here. It's called No Weight, and it's inspired that we're gonna hit a lot of things in our lives, but there's no weight that's gonna keep us down. So it's all about lifting each other up. Best way to rise is to go lift somebody up. Underneath the weight of the world, but don't go giving up. Oh, oh, oh. I keep singing songs and hope that I would see you smile again. Yeah, yeah. We've lost a lot, but we'll get through a little more. Don't be afraid, the pain can't hurt you anymore. Oh, oh, oh. I keep singing songs and hope that I would see you smile again. Yeah, yeah. And no way it's gonna keep us down. No way it's gonna break us down. No way it's gonna stop our love. No way it's gonna tear us down. No way it's gonna take the crown. No way, no way, no way. You ready? You know the power of love, how much it's gonna change. How can we come along if we remain the same? Eh, eh, eh. I keep singing songs and hope that I would see you smile again. Yeah, yeah. Good job. High five. Thank you so much. Give it up for Adira, everybody. Thank you, Ron. Ron Artis. Thank you all so much. Thank all right. you. All right. That was an interview with Ron Artis. That was one artist. We got more. So we'll be right back. And we're going to take a break right now. Welcome back to the What Difference Does It Make podcast and Dave's wrap-up of his adventures at Bottle Rock. So the unique thing about Bottle Rock is that it's not just a music festival, it's also wine and food. And doors open at 11 and people are hungry and people want to drink and they want to have a good time. And there is this amazing food element to the Bottle Rock Festival. Well, you know, it is Napa, so there is wine, so... There, the, you're Why not right. get there early and start? You're right. There is plenty of wine. For my wife, the, the rock stars are the chefs. So she was excited when she saw Roy Choi, who you probably know from the Kogi Taco Truck. I know you love Pink. I think I sent you a picture of Roy and Pink on the kitchen stage. And Pink was working up some sort of recipe. And Roy was with another podcaster who was also on the Feasted Forward stage. But he was lucky and got a backstage pass. This would be Al Mancini of the Food and Loathing podcast. He got a backstage pass. He had the wristband. He was able to talk to all of the movers and shakers. So he was backstage and he actually got this quick little interview with Roy Choi of the Kogi Taco Truck. Try to get your wristband game going here. Oh, you know, man, I'm carrying everybody else's with me, man. Yeah, comparing wristbands. It's, um, that's part of festival life, right? Yeah, yeah. Are we rocking and rolling? 
Shep, how are you, man? It is so good to see you. Bottle Rock, the amazing Roy Choi hanging out. Hey, what's up, Las Vegas? How you doing? I'm good, man. I was just in Vegas. Where are you? Yeah. I'm sorry I missed you, Chef. Yeah, I just was there, came, went home for a day and came here. Cool. Well, tell me about being a Bottle Rock. Have you been here before and what's the scene like? For these people out there who have never been to it, I don't think there's anything else like it in the music world or in the food world. And I've been to a lot of festivals. This is very unique. Um, this is my third Bottle Rock. Uh, we're in the beautiful Napa Valley, which is number one, the number one difference of a lot of things. The other is the way they put everything together. You know. The thing about this festival, it comes from the mind of a hospitality company, right? So if you can imagine every restaurant you go to, every every hotel that you check into, think of that type of amenities and that type of like service and imagine that in a big 50,000 person, you know, music festival. So the culinary stage, we've been showing off what the chefs are doing. You're about to go on. What is it you're doing? Who are you going to be joined by? Uh, I am doing it with Pink. Pink and Gail Simmons, and we're trying to do pink foods. <laughs> kind of like your goatee right there, yeah. Maybe I'll come up with you. You yeah, can you cook me, right man. Now. I'll cook you. That's it. Forget it. It's over. Done. We're going to change it to a rotisserie up there. It's, you, we're just going to cook Al. Extra large. You're going to need extra time, man, because, you know. So what are you, what we'll are you guys the, cooking? We'll do the uh, uh, gaucho. Uh, Argentinian style, where, the, where you're at a 45 degree angle against a recessed flame, and then you're spinning very slowly this way, like this. I, I like that you're going to put me on an angle, make me comfortable. That I appreciate that while you're cooking me, man. Um, are you a Pink fan, and how'd you get hooked up with her? Pink and I are actually Twitter friends. We've been Twitter friends for like 10 years, and she's been the kindest person to me on my DMs and just, you know, supporting me along the journey with Kogi, but we've never met. We never met in person. We've been pen pals for like 10 years, so this is going to be a really great time. And so we're doing like all these pink foods, so we're making like a strawberry milkshake, but making it pink. We're doing a like a salmon ikura bowl, so it's not necessarily pink, but salmon eggs, ikura, uni, uh, salmon rice and we're making like a pink vinaigrette with like chili powder and garlic and things like that. I love it man, you're getting creative. It's gonna be delicious. Yeah. Cool, now so the deal is, if you invite Pink up on the culinary stage, does that mean she has to invite you up on the concert stage and you're gonna play? Man, you know us chefs, we don't do, you know, we still that we still the working class man. They, I, I, you know, I, I haven't gotten that invite yet, but we'll see. You know, chefs are artists. Yes, they certainly are. One other artist I got to talk to was Mama Said, and that was uh, interesting. This was one of the bands where I was just thrown in there and like, hey, here's a band you're going to talk to. Oh, okay. Um, hi. <laughs> How are you're you? You're so good at that. <laughs> that that well, wouldn't be an issue for you. They made it very easy. First of all, they're a very good band. They're called Mama Said because they're two mothers. You know, they have other ventures, and they're based in Napa, and they love the 80s. So it was uh, it opened up the doors for a lot of conversation. Hey, everyone. Hey. 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 Oh, hi. We are uh, at Feast It Forward. We're on the main stage. Uh, we're part of uh, Podopolo. My name is Dave Sloan of the What Differences Make podcast, and I am here with Mama Said. Thank you. I, I see. I keep on, now that I put Mama tried in my right. head. Now it's stuck in my head. But this is yeah. Mama said. And the reason we've got two mamas. Yes. We got Latifa. We have Jen, and then we have Papa Derek. <laughs> Papa Derek. Papa Derek. Yeah. We're moms because a lot of kids, and we're a little bit boxy. All right. 
So yeah, is that, I mean, just talking to you initially, you, you keep referring to yourself as Mama. Mama needs to take care of this, Mama needs to take care of that. Is that how the name came about? I mean, we were throwing around names. It's kind of hard to, the namespace situation is real. Like, it is hard to find a name, you know, that has a domain name, Instagram handle, and all the things. But we threw out a lot of names. But this one felt good because we're moms. Like I said, we've got a lot of kids who are a little bit bossy. But Derek also, you, you can talk about that. And it, it also ties back to our musical influences and, and upbringing. We're Gen Xers. We came up during that early, nine, late 80s, early 90s era when, um, just before grunge broke, it's Black Rose, it's Lenny Kravitz, it's Metallica's yeah. got a Mama Said song as well. Yeah. Okay, so then let's go to your influences. You you grew up, did you have a musical background or where'd you, where'd you grow up, the two of you? Okay, so we got two, we got a married couple right here. We got, okay, so Jen and Derek are together, they're married. Nice. How's that going? Going well so far? Alright, so then you bring in a third wheel as well, and that, and that marriage, this marriage is working out. Is that a this, exactly. We've been dear, dear friends for now, what, six, seven years? Yeah. Seven years? Yeah, we, but I, I'm from Indiana, you asked where we're from. Yeah. I'm, from I'm a Hoosier, but I moved away from Indiana very quickly when I was 18, and I lived in Chicago, and New Orleans, and Nashville, and then moved to San Francisco, and then we moved to my country, and it's obvious reasons why we stay. Okay, so you, you are, you're all locals now. This is, yeah. you're, yeah, you were right Napa. here in Napa. Yeah. Uh, so we're just a few miles down the road in Browns Valley, part of, part of Napa as well. Now, is it because of the music scene, or what drew you to Napa initially, besides the wine and, and, you know, this beautiful area? It's a little bit of all of it, but actually it was the wine that initially brought me here. I came out of the wine business, but there's also a, there's a pretty cool music scene here as well. We're close enough to San Francisco that you get a lot of big acts coming through. We've got Bottle Rock here in town. We have the Uptown Theater. They did some decent side acts. But also with the, all of the wineries here, there's a lot of events. There, there are a lot of opportunities for live music. Um, so we eventually met. We were in a cover band together, and we were booking, you know, at the time, kind of the biggest acts that a cover band would do, you know, that off to Napa Valley and Napa City Nights right here downtown. And a lot of the wineries. Um, so the, the music definitely. Has kept us here in part, along with the lifestyle and the wine, as it, as it is. We gotta write an album. You know, we gotta. It's it's a dream. I knew I was gonna write an album. I've always been singing and songwriting, so um, so yeah. So we started to put that together, and then COVID hit. Uh, <laughs> and so that was like pushing a boulder uphill, you know. But there was a lot of creative time, so it was a, yeah, a lot I would. Right. Okay. So then I would imagine. Okay. What are we going to do? Well, we want to put an album together. Yeah. How did that? And were you? You were not living together. Uh, oh. Two of you are. Oh, One of I, you is I, not. I, so. No. Well, we had to do a lot of testing. We. I mean, so um, we hooked up with a great producer, Jim Gorman uh, from LA, uh, who's in the Boo Boo Dolls, and uh, he he was. Someone I had worked with uh, oh. a long time ago, about a minute ago. All right, why don't you tell that story? What? How? When I was tw like 22, he was like one of my first producers I worked with when I moved down to Los Angeles before I met my husband and my kids. And so, yeah, just a couple, you know, not even a year. Uh, yes. <laughs> but true story. So, true story. But I, I will give you a hint. Uh, my first production with Jim McGorman was on a cassette tape. So it was some, it was You're a time ago. Yeah. 
So yeah. C C ninety. So we we reached out because COVID hit. Everything was shut down, and we reached out, and it just you know the stars were aligned, and he had time to work with us. He was um, obviously not with the Goo Goo Dolls right then touring because everything right. was shut down. So we did a lot of testing to get in the room together, and then that's how we made our album. So you're in your twenties. So I'm in my twenties. And you're okay. So it's. You're in Los Angeles. Yeah. What, uh, and you're striking on your own? or what? Yeah, so I was um, um, singing, songwriting, you know, shopping, trying to get a deal. But for me, I, I met my husband, and so we started a family, and I, you know, I, I have five children, so I just thought, okay, well, this is, this is going to be the deal. I'm going to be, you know, this is what happily, Mama said. Mama Mom said. said, but happily, I would just you know, be a mom, and I, I was on a spiritual journey, so... I felt really good about that for a long time. But then my kids, they grew. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, what? I've gotta go back to music. So it was just amazing to become partners with Jen and Derek because it, it, at this at this stage in life, after raising a family, it's the biggest blessing. We're just living our best life. And it's just really amazing time. You said five kids, probably spread out. I don't think yes. they're, they're all. Mama's still old. saying things, right? Yeah, nine years old up to 23. Okay. So what, was it the kids that kind of inspired you to pick up music again? Like they, no. they started to stuff? <laughs> no. No. They made me really tired. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, like, honestly, when I was in the time of raising babies, I, I didn't, I put music down. I just, I was like, this, you know, put it down. Because it was such a passion in my heart, and then I, I really had to let it go because, you know, maybe that's another lifetime. I'm going to do this. So I had to put it down, and I grieved for a long time, like, okay, let me go, let me go. You know, and it was just God's perfect timing that it just came back around, and the, the passion just started to ignite me. And so I remember playing one of our first gigs like seven years ago, and my kids were, they, they were shocked. They were like, like looking out behind your dad, like mom sings <laughs> in a band. Right. So, so it was pretty cool. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about Bottle Rock. You you played last yesterday. Yeah, we opened yeah, the so, show. Right, so the local local band comes to get to play Bottle Rock. That's that's spectacular. Yeah, yeah. So yeah on the that? Horizon stage. We, that's a big yeah, stage. That's, yeah, that's the second biggest stage yet. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, and we got the call. It was a. We got the call three weeks ago. Calling. No, we got the call three weeks ago. Oh. <laughs> so it was a last, you know, it was a, a last minute. So it, we had a lot to prepare. I mean, we were already prepared because we had been gigging a lot, but. Yeah, it was probably better that we only knew three weeks. <laughs> but yeah, we played the whole album and we threw in a cover because we love Papa Natar. We love to do Heartbreaker. And <laughs> Good choice. Yeah, right. Hall of Famer. Right? So yeah, we played the whole album.
the uh, videos that we can see on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Follow us on YouTube and Instagram. We're Mama Said Band NV for Napa Valley. Mama Said Band NV. Yeah, follow along. And how, how's the dynamic work between you two? You're both singers, and so is it harmonizing, or you or take the lead, each one of you, or what? Yeah, the... every song is different. We sing, we trade off leads even within the song. Sometimes I'll yes. sing a verse and she'll sing the chorus. But harmony is really our first love. Like that, that just fuels us. And the first time I walked in and heard Latifa sing, I was gobsmacked. She's a fantastic singer. But when we started singing together, it was just really something magic. In fact, our producer was talking about in the studio, he was like, hmm, look at the waveforms. Their voice is really like their vibrato lines up. There's something, like we can actually see digital proof of why it feels so amazing to sing yeah. together. And so that's the thing. And more than friends, we're like sisters. And so there's never any, you know, one up. We're not trying to get attention more than the other. We really feel so balanced and, and we take care of each other in that. Yeah. So it's easy to be a front person with her. And just like you, I just want to double the, the harmonies. That's our sweet spot, our fun spot. Especially when you lock in, the moment that you lock in, it's just, it's so powerful. So before we wrap it up, what's the name of the album? Change in the Weather. Change in the yeah, Weather. Yeah, Mama said, Mama. Change in the Weather. Yep. And because of, why is there a change yeah. in the weather? Well, I mean, when we were writing this, the, everything was literally on fire. And we, the weekends that we were evacuating, we left here. My family was evacuated and we were headed to LA. So I'm sure they love that. But we were going down to record yeah. the album and the smoke just followed us all the way. So on the way down there, we kind of pray for rain. We got to this this weather. We you know so so pray for rain kept coming in my mind, and we're like we should put that in a song. So that was like one of the first ones we took. Our message is really about love and about community and about coming together. You know, one of our songs is called Pushing the Needle, and it's about like how far are you willing to go to see past people's differences? Because we wrote this album when there was so much crap coming out, division, and over everything, we really want to, you know, stand on two feet of, of community and coming together and just accepting each other. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for your time. This thank has been you. wonderful. Uh, we have Mama Said, and uh, it's available everywhere. We can listen to wherever you hear music. It's there. Right. And there's our bell. Okay, so let's say goodbye. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right. All right, all right. We're wrapping it up. Okay. So you also saw some other bands. I know you did not get to speak to them necessarily, but you said you saw Metallica. 
Yeah, not only did I see Metallica, but as I mentioned, these late night club shows, I got to see The Wedding Band. And in case you don't know who The Wedding Band is, that is Kurt Hammett and Robert Trujillo. And I'm not sure his name, but it's the lead singer of Ugly Kid Joe. You know, that song, Everything I Hate About You yeah. from the, the early 90s. Yes, I do. He's the singer. So they did a lot of a lot of 80s songs. They did like a medley of Clash songs, and that was fun. That, from what I understand, because I, it, like I said, it was late night. They did two sets, and they went on to like two in the morning. I was, you know, I, I did not have the stamina to, to last uh, that long. I think I checked out after after the first set. Oh, you're showing even, your age. You're uh, usually really good at this. Yeah, yeah. You know what? It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was for, th- for those that were there, something special. But it was great. I mean, because Metallica played two hours. They did a two-hour show. And then an hour and a half later, you know, these guys are back. They're in their track suits, and they played another uh, three hours. So, you know. Apparently, they like to play. It must, that must be a lot of fun for them. I, I would think that, that they enjoy you. They go out there, or they probably look forward to the wedding band, to playing in the wedding band. Yeah, I yeah. think they do, too. I think those were the highlights, just seeing bands like that in a small venue. Like I got to see churches there, and this rap artist named Kosha Dills, who actually came <laughs> in. So He came into the studio, too. I didn't talk to Kosha. I, I talked to him at the merch table. And convinced him to come to Feast It Forward, which he actually did. But someone else interviewed him, and I think we might have the footage of that. Hey, uh, let's... You want to do a beatbox? Um, what's the podcast network called? Padapolo? Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Cold outside with a hotter flow. I'm trying to network my homies at Padopolo. I gotta stop, drop, and roll when it's fired. If I had a job, I'd get higher. Everything I spit is fire. Rap carry like the back tattoos and Nick Cannon with Mariah. Deals like Elijah. The cup on the microphone, kick it with a mouth dry. I got a new slogan. We outside till we inside. Knocking on the doors. Hog get a rock. From the synagogue to the church, hanging with Mirage. Deals on the microphone, kick it like it's Bob. Deals on the kick it, yeah, um, um, wow, right, on the nice, I'll be thinking it able. Keep your head spinning right here on the picnic table. I love the rock raps. No one pop at last. Hard to hard on the podcast. Stills on the microphone, I get it to the chance. Make sure you're out of order and you water all the plans. Represent respect to microphone check you. I see you on the first of the month when rents due. Hey, Dills. <laughs> Kosher Dills. <laughs> That's awesome. Kosher. Yeah. yeah. So that was Kosha Dills. I got uh, some Kosha Dill socks. They're little pickles. And, you know, so that was my weekend in Napa. I got to see a, a number of artists. I got to see the Black Crows. I got to see Greta Van Fleet. As you do at festivals, you get to see a lot of great artists. So good times were had by all. I'm really glad you enjoyed. And I'm looking forward to attending and covering some of these festivals together in the near future. And uh, hopefully Bottle Rock next year. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah, thank you to Podopolo, and thank you to Pantheon Networks. And thank you to Feast It Forward. Thank you to Melinda at Podopolo. She's the one who kind of spearheaded this whole thing. So thank you, thank you, thank you. That was very cool. Um, I met a lot of people at Podopolo. They're all wonderful. And a thank you to Amanda Mork. Yes, thank you very much, Amanda, for helping me out there. As you clearly can tell, I need someone to hold my hand. So thank you, Holly, for holding my hand during these podcasts. I will always hold your hand. Wonderful. (laughs) All right. Well, then let's wrap up this episode. Until next week, this is Dave. This is Holly. Check you later. Over and out.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.